listeners, everyone, and most importantly, you. And welcome to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I'm your host, as always, Bernadette Gorman-White, and today we have a special episode where I don't think we've done this in the past yet, where we explicitly compare two works that are similar. And today we are talking about the FX show Devs and HBO's Westworld. And today I am joined by Diana DeMuro. Hello. And Mike Burge. Hi. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining me. I'm, I'm excited. We've kind of spoken a little bit about devs kind of offhand a few times, so I'm excited to get into it and really see what you guys think, because I'm still very on the fence, really with both of these things, because we're talking about Westworld Season 3, specifically, and comparing the two. So, do you guys have any, like, overall starting thoughts about these two programs? I would, like... I would ex- expect you guys to be fans of Westworld since you're still watching it three totally. seasons in. Oh, hell yeah. yeah not necessarily. But- <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, right. definitely I was like a little bit worried that it might not be not necessarily as good, but I was wondering if I was going to be as into it when they weren't in the worlds, you know, when they're or are they? <laughs> right. Because um, it's kind of like, oh, are they did they break out? Are they in the real world? I'm not sure. Maybe. So, yeah, because I enjoyed being in Westworld and Shogun World and wherever else the hell they went through. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like Westworld because each of the seasons are like a different TV show, but you still get like the awesome actors and show runners and stuff like that, like attached to it. Like, I love how the first season is kind of like this meditation on ai and how we treat ai which me as a gamer it was really interesting because that's how you treat somebody who had just played red dead redemption for the first time this is very much like how you treat this these artificial uh creatures in this thing whether they're intelligent or sentient or not that's in westworld the idea that's the thing that's at play and is the argument of that I like how they do that for a season, and then they're like, but we're not going to do that for the whole show, because that would kind of be boring, so we're going to, we're going to do, uh, what makes a person, what makes a person a person, and what makes that person good or bad, in, like, season two, and it was all about morality, and, like, how we learn, and how we evolve, and then three is very much kind of starts getting, it's all very, it's all these different philosophies, and I kind of like that it changes that up. I miss the desert. In season three, the most I miss the landscape because that's always the thing that's the most interesting to me, because I like the West and I like the world of Westworld. I'm I, I'm excited. I think I think that they're planning on going back in season four, and that's kind of the idea. Is like let's take a break away really? and get super. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? They can really do whatever they want. Mm. Um, and I think that's I keep watching just because uh, I like the actors. Um. I like the people that are running it. I like seeing how it evolves as a TV show that because it doesn't really operate like a normal one. Each season is kind of its own like movie in this installment that's like going this this like franchise that each installment is like a, almost a different genre. I could see that. Yeah, that's that's why I keep going back to it. It's not necessarily because I 
I'm into it and I can't wait to see what happens to Dolores. <laughs> but I do like the philosophical stuff that comes into play with like, you started off with Dolores as kind of this ancillary character in season one. Then she was the main character in season two. And by the end of that, she's almost kind of the main antagonist. And then at the end, and then throughout three, you're kind of like, I don't know, that, like there's five of them. And oh yeah, okay. Like who's what and Dolores this. It's, it's interesting. I can't think of another show that really kind of, handles characters season to season in that way. Yeah, I would say at this point, watching season three of Westworld and the inevitable season four that I will be watching, I'm more like drawn to it like a moth to the flame. Yeah. More so than anything. I just have to know, even though yeah. maybe I'm not really enjoying what I'm watching per se. <laughs> I just, I really need to know what they're going to do. And it's yeah. not that I outright disliked this past season of Westworld. But I think they are messing with mortality and stakes in such a way that yeah. I have a hard time feeling any sort of tension anymore, which I think is my main complaint with season three, is that I just don't really feel that the stakes are there to cause any real tension. Yeah, I think partially like with that, if we're not worried about spoilers so much, just like... I would yeah, say just go for it. Yeah, like that, like the whole concept of at the end of season two when Dolores leaves with all those pearls, I liked the idea of thinking that those were different individual beings and not knowing who was going to pop up. And then kind of having it flip and them all be Dolores to me was a little disappointing. Like I understood the reasoning of it and it was a cool idea to have Dolores be in another body but then I was still kind of hoping that somebody else interesting would pop up just to like be in the mix, you know? And I and I got you got Lawrence, Delorence, yeah, Lawrence, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all right. Clifton yeah. Collins Jr. He was in Boondock Saints too. No, I mean I like the actors, but yeah. but yeah, having a you know Charlotte Hale character be Dolores is interesting. But I was also kind of like. How about Teddy or somebody else? Like, just throw somebody else in there just because, you know, or or like to have the idea of Maeve trying to bring back somebody else that would shake Dolores up a little bit more so than like her bringing back people that are just her team. I didn't like how it kind of turned into like the two teams and you're sort of not sure who's the bad guy anymore. <laughs> but I did like uh, Aaron Paul. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I thought he was actually really good. I, I enjoyed him being added to the mix. I didn't... As far as, like, Aaron Paul in this, and I think it's maybe because uh, Breaking Bad is just so kind of in my head, and I don't really... Am not, I'm not too familiar with Aaron Paul outside of that, besides a couple commercials he did, which are great commercials, that Vitamin Water Aaron Paul commercials and all-timer. <laughs> the one on the treadmill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, everybody knows that song because of that vitamin water commercial. Um, I think that one of the worst things about season three is I don't think that Aaron Paul is the right type of actor to be playing this part. Uh, and it's just, I think it's mainly because of the association I have with him. Not that I see him and he is... Um, his character from Breaking Bad, I, he he doesn't really look like him anymore, and it's it's absolutely fine that 
he played like a really seminal role and he's a good enough actor and just because James Gandolfini was Tony Soprano for so long doesn't mean I can't see other characters that he plays. I can. And I think Aaron Paul is a very good actor. I just think that his, um, his style of acting, his voice, his general look, I just don't think played into a show where there's just so much going on that everything kind of has to be operating at a 10 at all times. Otherwise things start to fall apart. And he's not the only thing that I think kind of holds the show back a little bit, but there's definitely things. I think the mortality, lack of stakes and stuff like that, that you brought up burn is another big one that towards the end of the season, you're kind of like, so wait, can, so wait, like, does this, any of this matter right now? Like who, I thought she could shut people off. Why isn't she just shutting her off? Oh, she's giving her the choice to shut her off. That doesn't make any sense. You know, there's just little things like this that aren't deal breakers for me, but that I'm kind of like, I feel like if this new character introduction, I think it would have been very well served if it was an, an unknown or just somebody who was maybe just a little bit down on like the, the, like the, um, the totem pole of like a TV Hollywood stardom, you know, like we've, we've already seen Aaron Paul do this kind of thing, even though it's in a different genre, but he's still kind of playing like this kind of frazzled, uh, criminal-esque kind of character. And I feel like I was kind of getting pulled out of it from time to time, which I don't think was his fault. I think it was a fault of like, just, just the kind of a miscasting decision. Yeah, I do think that Aaron Paul kind of has that Keanu Reeves syndrome, where Ooh. it's like, you don't think Keanu Reeves is a bad actor by any right. means. But a lot of his tendencies do seem to bleed into a lot of the characters that he plays. Right. And you never are really quite sure, like, is he a great actor or is he just an okay actor? <laughs> yeah. And I and I feel like Aaron Paul, because I've, yeah, I've seen Breaking Bad. I didn't watch El Camino, but I watched The Path on Hulu. Oh. And I've watched BoJack Horseman, and I think he trails away from his normal Aaron Paulness the most in BoJack Horseman. But he does kind of just do this, like, very gravelly, yeah. quiet, slow-speaking character who has a lot of damaged past and maybe did some bad things, but also is, like, very redeemable. Sure. And, yeah, I think maybe I did, like, the real-world aspects of the Westworld show for the most part. Um, but yeah, like sometimes Aaron Paul would kind of take me out of it. It's just like, Ooh. all right, dude, just like get through a sentence. Just like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> if if it's him having like a monologue or a conversation with another character and like a past sequence that he's like re-experiencing now, it's like, we just got to get through the scene, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's just keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I'm not against them taking in new characters. Like, uh, Vincent Cassell is an amazing addition to the whole show. And I really like his character and his performance and that actor. And I like, I like Aaron Paul as an actor. I like the character that he's playing. I just don't think that they're right. I don't think that they mix. And I don't think that it necessarily takes away from it too much to be a deal breaker, but I did keep finding myself but and i could also this could also be something that i'm being maybe a little prejudiced about just because i remember when they announced that he was in it and they released that first trailer i was kind of like i don't like the way jesse looks in my hbo show <laughs> like i don't think he's supposed to be here i wasn't super hot on vincent cassell oh really no. yeah yeah i mean i thought you know i liked the idea of the backstory of how they him and his brother created stuff but then like to have him as sort of like a new not quite anthony hopkins sort of 
char- creation character. I was just like, meh, I don't, yeah. eh, I don't care. <laughs> just like, I think one of the most interesting things about Westworld is it's got the Inception syndrome that I like something like where it it's the perceived notion is that it's an insanely clever show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's clever enough. It just has twists and stuff. Like, and it's, it maybe puts a little bit more thought into its narrative kind of supporting the twists and the secrets and the turns as opposed to like tossing in something special to spice things up. Um, but I think like at the end of the day, it's all pretty much just a pretty straightforward show that's kind of dealing with more philosophical ideas due to the nature of what it has, like mortality and intelligence and being aware and consciousness like it it introduces all these fun philosophical things that you can talk about that wouldn't really make sense in other shows like you know breaking bad can have an episode where they're talking about determinism versus free will but that's not going to be the crux of the entire show and i think that's a fun thing about westworld where again like with the different seasons kind of being about these different philosophical ideas they can kind of really squeeze all of the juice out of one like philosophical ideal and then go into something else the next season while taking everything we've learned about that and be like, okay, so now if we agree that Dolores and all of these beings are conscious and they are intelligent and they should be people and they have maybe souls. Okay. So these things have souls. What does that mean? What is a soul? How do we choose to be good or bad? Is that something that's ingrained in us? Something we learn nature versus nurture and that's the whole season two that's what i think is the most interesting thing about the show as a whole but at the end of the day it's like like d says yeah it's they took like they're like well what if we had the anthony hopkins character but bad and french and they were like (laughs) get vincent get vincent casal on the phone and he was like we we i can do this but i mean there were other like what other things did you guys enjoy specifically about this season because like some of the things that i liked the best like i loved having random Hemsworth brother with Jeffrey Wright. I kind Ashley. of Yeah, yeah. I kind of, <laughs> kind of like having those two team up and I I think that's kind of amusing sometimes and kind of funny, but I I always like Jeffrey Wright, you know. Bernard is like my fave usually. What about you guys? Yeah, Anything I didn't cool that stood out <laughs> from this season. <laughs> I I just thought it was weird that they would just like have Ashley just be like Oh, he was in this room the entire time. Yes. Oh, yes. here he is coming into this fight. It's like, where was he? Like, yeah. No. Yeah. The logic all... of it. No. But yeah. <laughs> but I do um, like their I do like their weird camaraderie between the two of them, though. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're like the the sort of like uh, of mice and men. They're like the brawn and the brains. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I will say I did like the Lena Waithe character who oh, would like yeah. run the crimes. And I forget the name of her friend who oh, had the... professional football player. Oh, is he really? Yeah, which I <laughs> he thought was, was entertaining. Really funny. Yeah, because I, I was like, who is this guy? And now I got to remember who it is. But yeah, he's like a, he's a football player. <laughs> he's from the NFL. Well, was like, he was a lot of fun because I loved his emotion shirt yes. where like it would flash like whatever he was feeling. Yes. Like, angry, <laughs> happy, sad, tripping. So good. <laughs> like, I mean, that's yeah, very the, funny. The, the set design and the costume design in this show continues to be pretty good. Yeah, I did definitely. enjoy like kind of, you know, as far as the um, 
sort of like the intro and then like the weird title cards. I kind of liked the interesting, like the ink blot bleeding out kind of yeah. of the that's a, and it's it's a fun it's a fun like kind of like a like philosophical MacGuffin. It's kind of what is this? And they used it in all their advertising. What and you're like, what is this? And they're like, there's a divergence. And you're like, what does that mean? Right. And then slowly as you're going on, each episode starts with this thing getting a little bit more sporadic or a little bit more contained. And then you start to realize what it is. It's pretty cool. It's like a fun little, like, you know, it's like an eclipse kind of looking thing. And they kind of utilize that imagery that we connect with that just naturally to kind of create this kind of way of figuring out like, this is how much shit has hit the fan if you're the bad guys or if you're just like, you know, the, the status quo. And it's literally just like a, it's a manifestation of the status quo becoming not quo and just like falling apart. Mm-hmm. All right. So the football player is Marshawn Lynch. Yes. He, he plays for Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That name actually sounds familiar to me and it's probably he's referenced yeah. in something else that I've watched. Because I don't Pretty follow awesome. the sports ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I my avenue. either, but he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's in, like, the last episode, too. Like, doesn't he catch, like, a like a tear gas canister and, like, throw it back at them? And they're like, <laughs> well, I think football player. They cool. also, like, put up their shields and he just, like, plows into them. So oh, he does, like, all I was, the football I was like, ah. <laughs> but <yeah>. your skills. <laughs> Definitely that app, like, the... Let's make money, bitches. Like, that was really fun. <laughs> I loved the idea of, like, organized crime, but, like, in an app, and it's very pay-for-play, like... Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Level an Uber up. for it's crime. Great. And, like, yeah. And then we... But then it's kind of fun that it's revealed to be... They're using that to be able to, like, kind of continue the control on a street level. They're like, well, we've got this thing that does that tells us everything that's going to happen and in order to be able to ensure that that's definitely what's going to happen we created this app where we track all of the criminals that we've created that we've perfected and isolated and we make them go do the crimes on the things and it's not that far-fetched an no, idea it's not <laughs> no that's the fun thing about you're it. like oh okay that that could be soon or already yes <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i think westworld while sometimes it is a bit of a slog to get through, some of the most fun that we have watching it in my house is just like predicting what's going to happen, which is something that we normally, or I'll speak for myself, I normally just am along for the ride. Right. And I don't yeah. really like to speculate about what's going to happen in the next episodes. Totally. But with Westworld, it's so much fun to watch an episode now. And just be like, oh, is Dolores running this crime app? Like, did she create it? What's yeah. the deal? Mm-hmm. What about this guy? When is he going to show back up? Like, it's something that we actively speculate on during the episode, which usually I'm like, shh, the episode's mm-hmm. on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, Mike and I are like, we're constantly having conversations about like, but which, how many balls did she leave the park with? Wait, how many have we seen? Who's the other one? And it would like went on until that reveal. And I, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, like, yeah. I, and I think it's it's a testament to the show and, you know, for all of its flaws that it has either entertainment wise, narratively or plot holes and stuff like that, or just flat out sometimes episodes being boring, um, but also like episodes being like, like amazing. Like season two, I remember has like two of the best TV episodes I've seen in a long time. Um, 
Yeah, that episode where they tell the story of like the Native Americans. Right. Yeah. Westworld. Yeah. It's like you're like, and I think that I think the other one that I'm thinking of too is also kind of like a bottled, contained episode that's about an ancillary character. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like the. It, I think one of the coolest things about it is like it kind of takes these whole the whole idea of like there's going to be twists and there's going to be reveals and we actively want you the audience to be involved in that and we want you to we want you to actively be involved in um guessing what's going to happen that's part of the show is like we just gave you a couple clues what do you think's going on and you're right you're wrong and like that's like kind of a fun thing that usually shows only kind of incorporate that from like here or there finales special events it's something lost did like all the time like that's kind of why people are like Westworld's like lost it's like any show that kind of like hunkers down on like a large cast with a bunch of mysteries that everything's going to be slowly revealed as it goes and you know, the, the showrunners are kind of encouraging this fan engagement of theories and what you think is going on. And they have misdirections and Easter eggs that point you in one or two different directions so that nobody can really find out what's going to happen. But I remember like with Westworld, like in season one, it was like with the, the Ed Harris thing, like three episodes, two or three episodes before that happened, I was like, wait, are these happening at the same time? And I remember I mentioned it to Diana because we were watching it together and I tried to explain it and I couldn't explain it well enough where she could understand what I was saying because I, the show's really good at being like, and this is what's going on. When I was trying to say it, it's like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't make any sense. But then it's revealed like that's kind of what's going on loosely. And I'm like, oh, they're much smarter than I am when trying to explain what's going on right here. On that note. I did kind of enjoy seeing all of the various stages of the man in black in the in the room together, but I didn't necessarily want to see him kill everybody, but I kind of expected that was the way it was going to go, but I was like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you guys had the same reaction to that particular episode with the man in black. I felt a little cheated yeah. that his it was basically reduced to him having this tumultuous childhood and that he was kind of maybe always bad all along, yeah. which made me feel really sad because I felt like season one is so special. Right. That, like, the inciting incident of him learning, like, well, I have to be cruel to exist in this cruel world happened because of Dolores. But then you find out later in this season that it's like, oh, no, maybe he kind of had cruel tendencies. He already was coming into Westworld pretty damaged. Yeah. Which I guess no. is kind of the theme because they say that Westworld does, like, reveal your true self. But I was a little bummed. I was like, oh, man, that journey was so was so nice in season one. And I don't know right. if I want to learn about the Man in Black as a child and totally. know any more of his history. But Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I like it better kind of having him be a little bit more fresh-faced in season one and then making that change than having, like, unrevealed childhood trauma yeah i think it's more interesting yeah and mm-hmm. I, I mean the and the trauma is like you know his dad was like an abusive figure right like that's kind of what the inclination is and but I it think, also like, seems like the child himself is like causing trauma at school yeah but because right. of that yeah I think they kind of tried to make you think it was abusive initially and then it flips to kind mm-hmm. of just like he was a problem kid yeah 
I mean, there's a double-edged sword to that. Me personally, I'm in agreement with you guys. Yeah, I think like it's more interesting to kind of have that season one story of that's the root of like where this like terrible person came from. But, you know, there's also the idea that they might be tackling it from this point of view of like, so as it stands right now, we're saying that the biggest, baddest, most evil dude in this universe, that he got like that because of the person that he chooses to victimize in the show who is also now kind of like our like survivor metaphor character and they're kind of they might be like maybe we should just try and like paint more of like a a firm line between we don't condone his actions which they don't have to do that me Mm. as like an me as like a relatively um overthinking audience member i'm like i don't think that you're condoning the man in black's actions but as they're trying to make him more of a sympathetic character not necessarily a good guy they might kind of be like well if we want them to root for him at some point we might want to be like maybe this guy was just a little fucked up from something that was outside of his control other than the people and the place that he ended up terrorizing and stuff was actually the thing that created him as interesting and kind of still standing as that fact is that might be their thing that they're going for, which I understand, but I also don't think that they need to do that. Man in Black doesn't need to be a good guy. You've got tons of other good guy characters that you could use for that. Right. That that one Hemsworth brother is sitting right there. You can do <laughs> you can do something with that character. Yeah. I feel like they don't know that they can do that. That they, they can do something with him. him. Yeah. I, I think Bernard let him. him like bleed out in that bathtub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was kind of the interesting thing i was like trying to kind of speculate how much time do you think has passed at the end when bernard wakes up and everything is covered with dust or whatever you know um just to kind of think about that but then you're like you let him bleed out but then he can be brought back correct am i correct it seems like everyone can can anyone die (laughs) yeah everyone can come back so yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so so like you said, there's Even not really the humans. States. They just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone comes back. So, um, I mean, Dolores's body was like in that suitcase, and she's just like, oh, so let me uh, yeah. put this body back on. Thanks one for bringing thing, it to me. Yeah, one thing I did like though was when Mike kind of pointed out to me while we were watching it that like her whole sequence of being shot and needing help from Aaron Paul's character was faked because in reality she could turn her own pain off. And I kind of forgot about that as an option. Mm -hmm. So then like thinking about that later on and then she gets shot and she like barely flinches. You're like, Oh shit. You know, like just like behind the curtain. (laughs) What's going on here? I'm in the camp of Dolores is the bad guy uh, of season two. And that going into season three, I was going to keep no matter what they were giving me, I was going to keep being like, Dolores is the bad guy, read it through that lens. And towards the end, like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, that's that's the moral judgment of the whole thing. I took from season two that Dolores was kind of like, you know, she was becoming the thing that she hated. And that kind of transpires a little bit more into season three as well. So I was reading it constantly, like, don't trust Dolores with these new characters because I think she's trying to trick them. And you didn't know that's kind of the thing that season three goes is like, what is Dolores trying to do? What is her plan? Who is she trying to exploit or do something with? Or so I was like every ally that Dolores makes, I'm like, she's lying to that person. What is she trying to do? And I think that was making me connect with where she was going, which was like, 
kind of total eradication and just replacing everybody with robots. I thought the the grand scheme at the end was going to be she's literally going to create uh, a copy of every single person on the planet and download everybody's memories into their own individual bot and then nuke the planet. And then when everybody wakes up, they're all in, they're all like these uh, hosts now, but they are themselves with all the same memories. And now they have to rebuild the world because now they're all one people, so to speak. And I think that that's, that might even still be what they're going for with all the dust and everything. Looks like maybe a nuclear fallout might've happened and that might be something that they're working in. But that's, I, I do think that Dolores was, uh, I was always looking at it through the lens that she was the big baddie in season two and season three. So as soon as she was like, in the, at the end of the first episode, coming up to Aaron Paul, I was like, oh, Aaron Paul, do not trust this person. No, 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 no. She doesn't care about you. Yeah. Uh, I also, uh, another thing that when we were watching it together that you pointed out that I enjoyed was um, like whenever they do the previously on Westworld, like we were, we kept waiting for the music. And then Mike was pointing out that it almost always did not have dialogue. Like, I think towards the end of season three, there might have been a couple... They do it in that, season two as well, where yeah. it's like, when they need dialogue, yeah. just real quick, they'll drop a couple words but in there, but for the, the most part... most of the time, they yeah. were all clips with no dialogue, and it's just music. And it's kind of an interesting... Yeah, it's like watching a sweet trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> just a nice refresher, <laughs> which I always like, because I'm... With, with previously ons, I don't like, because mm-hmm. they're always reminding you of things that are... you that. Now you're like, oh, well, I have to remember that because something's going to happen with that in this episode. And I don't like that. Although that's what, and that's why I like the Americans. The Americans previously ons are really good because they give you bare minimum. And just like, just remember that that character exists. And you're just like, oh, I guess that character will come back. But then they use that to trick you. It's fun. And so I think the Westworld way of doing it is very, um, very fancy, very elegant. Except for the music is like, Bwang! very fancy, very elegant <laughs> yeah. music. I think my favorite types of previously on was in Legion because they would say apparently Ooh. on or yeah. supposedly on, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I thought was very funny. That's awesome. <laughs> Inevitably on. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. And that's the same with the Americans because you have two sides. You have mo- half the show is in Russian, half the show is in English. So every now and then a Russian character that does not speak any English in the show will say previously on the Americans in Russian, you know, and you'll get different characters saying it. it's pretty cool. That is Good very show. cool. Good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say just this can obviously be a conversation later on, but I was a little disappointed that they took the two strongest female characters and pitted them against each other. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit of a disappointment, but I understood the point it made in the course of the season. I understood that. But I also just felt really bad for Westworld season three trying to do a genre episode and starting it out in black and white. And it's like, are you idiots dumb? They just did this in Watchmen so much better than what you're doing it now. (laughs) Right. It almost felt like painful to watch because I was just like, oh, guys, like maybe you should have scrapped this black and white noir portion of this genre episode because it's been done. Sure. But... Yeah, no, I will say I, I liked it better in in Watchmen for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, if they were different studios making those shows that it's like, well, they happened at the same time. They probably didn't know about it. And it's like, no, they knew about it. This show, <laughs> shares, this show shares like, you know, Cable Daddy and probably several executive producers of that show. Somebody probably could have been like, 
I don't know, but they also might have been like, it comes out like six months later. Only nerds are going to care about that. And here we are. (laughs) Yes. Too true. (laughs) I care too. I care. (laughs) But yeah, the the general themes, the, the reason we chose to compare Westworld and devs is that they both were heavily laced with the idea of free will. And do we have a choice in our actions at all? Are they fabricated either by some strange company who has an AI who can detail every single thing that happens or because a thing that sets something else in motion is not a choice. It's just a reaction to something that had already happened in the past, which is kind of what devs presents. So overall, how did you guys feel about devs? Because I'm still very on the fence. I liked the beginning. I liked the end. I thought the middle got very muddled and maybe... It could have been shortened to like a four episode miniseries. I don't know. How do you guys feel? I definitely was was kind of glad that I thought it was contained. Like I wouldn't want to see it go further. I wouldn't want to see a season two. Um, but it's it's yeah. I guess it could have been it could have been shorter in some stints. Um, but I definitely it it was a weird one, but I liked it. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Didn't always make you feel good. <laughs> it's kind of made kind of made me feel bad sometimes, just in the sense of, yeah, like you said, is there free will, and then what do you do with that knowledge? Um, and then it kind of I didn't love how it sort of looped back to the idea of like the big, kind of like the rich versus the poor, the tech wizards having all the cards, and then getting to affect that free will because of what somebody wanted that they were pouring all their money into regardless of how it would affect someone else so like kind of that character it was interesting to see nick offerman be in such a weird character but who he actually was playing i feel like has been done a lot you know kind of this idea of like a a widower or a person that lost their child and then them kind of like funneling all their energy and money and they don't care if they screw everybody else up into trying to get something of that back i feel like that's been in tons of stories before but i don't know uh i really like devs yeah uh i think that uh the biggest problem i have with it is the one thing the bur- the thing that you burn just brought up right off the bat is that I think it's a little long and I think that that is kind of a necessary evil because I would imagine that Alex Garland uh who said they had been working on the script for a long time as kind of like a spiritual sequel to Ex Machina which is even revealed in the end that it's Deuce and this is the whole thing um that the original script probably called for something that would have been too long to be just one movie and probably would have had to be two movies and Alex Garland was never going to get that made. So they were like, let's make it a show, but you got to add to it because it has to be at least eight episodes because that's what a TV season is. Mm. He might have tr- tried to argue for six episodes, but they were probably like, we're not going to spend all this money on all these sets to just do, you know, five weeks of programming. I would imagine that something like, and this is me being completely hypothetical, but I would imagine that that's probably what happened because there really is a tight uh, like three and a half hours of story going on here and everything else is just stuff that I enjoyed that, but definitely fluffs it up that you don't 
require. And I think that if the movie had been cut down, if the show had been cut down and a lot leaner, I think it would have rep- it would have um, looked a lot like uh, Ex Machina's structure in the end, which is just a very lean. Every scene is required. And everything is character development, but with that, you're only dealing with you know three, maybe four main characters. With I was this, say, there's I, a bunch of them. I kind of for the for the things that might be kind of considered fluff. I did like some of those characters quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I did like the, uh, you know the the kid and the adult that were working at devs. Like I kind of liked their yeah. stories, and I liked those actors and actresses. Um, they were awesome. So. But then again, yeah, I, maybe I didn't need so much backstory uh, from Nick Offerman, or there were probably some other places where it could have been trimmed up for sure. Yeah. yeah, I just think it would have been a very different show if they wouldn't have had, because there had to be some type of way to get Lily interested in what is happening at Devs. Lily is our main character. Right. Her boyfriend supposedly commits suicide at the beginning of the show, and she thinks that is a lie. And so she starts digging. And I think the parts that really didn't work for me were like the Russian storyline and Kenton, the bodyguard of Debs, um, just like following her around and like beating people up. This old man who seems very capable. He's scary. All of that was like, (laughs) when I think about what I like about Debs, it is like the conversations that Stuart and Lyndon have. It's the conversations that Allison Pill's character Katie has with Forrest, the Nick right. Offerman character. Yeah. None of my favorite parts involve like this weird Russian syndicate trying to figure out what Devs is doing, and then this bodyguard who's just like a lackey chasing them sure. around, like trying to make sure that no one finds out. All of that is the stuff that just doesn't interest me. And so maybe I'm not meeting the show on its own terms. Maybe that's me like wish fulfillment on the show, but I think that's what slowed it down for me. Yeah, I think the the Russians and and Kenton like I like I like that that actor. Uh, I liked Kenton more than that. Yeah, than... he doesn't really play characters like that. You know, he's like the boss from Fight Club. You know, so <laughs> yeah. probably one of his most memorable roles is literally being like a subordinate in like this fist fight kind of scene. Uh, I do like that. I do like the idea of somebody who's like you know a 75-year-old that could be an Antifa agent and you just wouldn't know. <laughs> I like that idea, and Devs called it first, so props. I did like the uh, the actor that played Jamie, and so not necessarily wanting to see him get like abused or hurt, but I liked having some kind of interactions with him and him kind of like trying to convince him, like, well, you know, what are you doing kind of deal. Right. Like, and and like, showing like what actually scares somebody and things like that. Yeah. And like the, the point I was getting to with Kenton is like, I think that that and the Russian thing adds this level of danger that isn't, that is non-existent in the rest of the world because everything else is pretty much, like you said, it's everybody kind of waxing philosophical or talking about development. And so there's really no, there's no danger to Lily because you're kind of like, you know, if you remove the Russians, the boyfriend, and Kenton, that's really all like kind of like the action, kind of spooky, like physical spooky stuff. Everything else is more kind of like like a, like psychological, and I feel like that would be an interesting like version of it. But I think for the for the sake of like, well, we have to do eight episodes, and I do like the I do like the the Kenton character. I think that it's more like it kind of allows that ticking clock. 
like, because once you, I think by the time we get to like, this is the last day, I think like, uh, I, I believe like Kenton's already gone. The Russian thing is already over. Like the last episode really just completely deals with the fallout of this major, like what is devs and what's, what's this last day going to look like? And I think that is kind of like proof in the pudding of like a lot of this other stuff was kind of added on or built out. You know, there was probably a scene, you know, with like the Russian, like he was working for the Russians, but she never met the Russians. And, you know, and this is all like nonsense. It doesn't matter. But I do think that it's placed in there because on an episode to episode basis, you need to have that, that, that knowledge of if the, if the good guys don't win, like they're probably going to die. And it's because this crazy 75 year old Antifa agent is after them or the Russians are going to get them first, or their own company will kill them and cover it up. You know, I think that those three things kind of shoulder the whole conspiracy, the whole conspiracy thing that you could have going on in it. Mm. Sure. Isn't that funny that my complaint with Westworld is that I needed more stakes? And then with yeah. devs, I was like, lose all the stakes. I just want them to talk. It it's fine. That's fine. There's no pleasing me. No. I I definitely uh, I thought that devs did a really good job of like creating the feel of kind of like San Francisco Silicon Valley type environment like I have lived briefly in that part of the country and it definitely like paints it really well or like the idea of sort of this like weird utopia campus for a job but then obviously other shit is going on there um, or even like Lily's character being kind of uh, techie and sort of androgynous and just like, um, you know, just, it just like, it tracks really well with like the types of people that tend to work at tech industries a lot of the time. Um, So I kind of liked the overall feel of the show, just as sort of like a weird genre. And it also kind of paired well, like you said, with Ex Machina, it kind of has that same kind of vibe going on. Yeah, I've only seen Ex Machina the once, but yeah, Ooh, I totally it's good. watch it again. It's good. To- yeah, I totally forgot yeah. that she's the actor who's yes. dancing with yeah. him. Very cool. Yeah. I know it took me a little bit to realize that too, and then I was like, "What the? Oh my god!" You know, because she's so petite and dead. Mm-hmm. She's she's a tiny lady. And then you're like, <laughs> she must be wearing some big heels and dancing around with Oscar Isaac. I think Oscar Isaac though is also tiny. a notable tiny man. Yeah, All he's right. one of those like that makes sense. he's one of those like Tom Cruises. Yeah, big personality, but little bitty bitty package. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Like though. a Mike Burge, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm five six. I'm five six. I'm average height. That's the average height. Is it? That's the, yeah. It's the average that's height. That's true. That's I it. Wish. That's average. Everybody that's taller than me, you're tall. I wish, I'm average. I wish I Whatever. was five six. It's not a big deal. <laughs> How tall are deal. you, Diana? Uh, I'm like. Five, four and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I must be like five, two. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be five, six. Yeah, whatever. Five, (laughs) six over here. Just average though. I'm not tall. It's not a big deal. Puffing his chest out. (laughs) Um, I do like that though, that I hadn't considered that now that I'm thinking about that more and more, like the Russian stuff, the conspiracy cover up, Kenton, like that, those are the three probably least interesting things about devs. No, they are. When I think about it. And it's like, it's not that I don't enjoy them, but definitely if I was to be like, what are the things that I am not 100% into in this? I'd probably start going more towards that stuff because... I definitely liked the guy that played Kenton because that's not your typical 
muscle bad yeah, guy. And it's interesting. Like so they could have just gotten like, like you know, yeah. your regular like kind of Paul Walker looking yeah. guy, which this we is... just watched Pleasantville the other day and I totally forgot Paul Walker was in it till he showed up and I was like, yay. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't remember he was in that at all. Yeah, he's Skip. He's, yeah. he's very pretty. He's very pretty man. Yeah. But yeah, Ken's kind of like, like a, a scary dad. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like a Mike from ba- Breaking Bad. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Which is cool. And, and like, I I love the the thing that I love about Devs and the thing that made it so interesting in tandem of watching the end of Devs as we're going into, like, the middle half of Westworld season three was, like, as, like, chronologically as they were airing. I think that was kind of the timeline, right? Where, like, as we were Mm -hmm. getting out of Devs, Westworld season three really started pulling back the curtains and revealing it's like, and we're doing the same thing as Devs. And you're like, oh. Yes. Oh, Okay. Is that I think that they're they're talking about, you know, the philosophical discussions of free will, like or specifically libertarian free will versus hard determinism in devs. Whereas in Westworld, they're kind of talking about soft to hard determinism and how that can be used as a product to control uh, culture. You know, sure, like so yeah. they're kind of like, we've developed this technology that will allow us to determine softly or hard and we'll make it as hard as we want by course correcting. And that way we can predict the future. Whereas in devs, they're like, we have proven that hard determinism as a philosophy is not just a philosophy, that it is a fact. And this computer has figured it out and broken it. And that's one of the interesting things about uh, determinism in general is that it's unprovable, obviously, but you also can't prove that we have free will. And that's what makes these conversations Mm. so fun because you're like, well, where does it start? And it's like, you have the whole like breakfast scenario where it's like what you had for breakfast. Why did you have that for breakfast? Is it just because you felt like it? Well, no, it's because you like that certain type of thing. It was available to you. You also got hungry and wanted to eat that. There's all these different variables that go through your head that make you eat that thing. So even if you did choose it, your free will choice is based on a variable. And I like how both of these shows, probably with no understanding of the other's existence because they were released so closely, are really dealing with the same artificiality of determinism at the same time. And one's like, and it makes people feel like gods and they don't have any responsibility anymore. And the other one's like, (laughs) and it can be used to sell Apple products and control crime and you're like this is two very different versions of kind of the same philosophy which was very neat Mm. yeah i'm definitely glad that devs didn't delve into the class regime that westworld does yeah because in westworld it was very obvious that they were trying to say this is how we keep people in the lower class sure by controlling their fate by understanding which jobs they'll apply for and which people we can put in those positions to deny them said jobs. Right. I thought that that was a very Westworld thing to do. I really liked that Devs was so open-ended and focused very specifically on certain characters. I thought totally. that was a very smart move. And I think that's why Devs was an easier pill to swallow sure. than watching Westworld. Westworld always seems to get maybe like a little too vast for its own good. But Devs was so self-contained that it made it more an enjoyable watch. Although I will say that I consider myself an intelligent person, and Alex Garland's work is very challenging. 
Totally. And I, I felt like yeah. Dev's was the most challenging work I've watched of his, where I'm like, does he think I'm stupid? It kind of feels like he thinks I'm stupid. <laughs> but I also felt like it was educating me at the same time. But there were a few times where I'm like, dude, this is how you alien- alienate an audience. Which sure. isn't yeah. good, but you're so like into your craft that you're committing to this, which I can respect. So mm. I was into it. And I think that there is a certain nastiness that is uh, on display with his characters that is intentional. I think that there is kind of a... With who you think, like... I think with all of them, really. Like, like you don't... Like, especially character. with Lily, because Lily is making a lot of decisions, uh, especially in the beginning when she doesn't really know anything. And But we always know more than Lily because we were shown the event that happened with her... With her, Russia, with her Russian boyfriend. Yeah. Her Antifa <laughs> agent boyfriend. Um, it's never going to get old. Uh, the And I think that because she does act with such a tenacity that she knows that something's wrong, and we've seen it, so we know she's right, but I think that the way she reacts should still be treated like, you're acting pretty fucking wild about this. Like, I know you're right, so you're the hero, you're the protagonist of the story, but, like, she aggressively goes after like no no something's not right here yeah and we find out that's because like she kind of comes from this background of like she's had like these things happen to her that have traumatized her where she's not going to be used as like just like a device for other people to go to one step or the other and she's she's very good at like kind of being aware and thoughtful about things and i think that there is like certain things about her character also um nick swords nick swords and imagine nick swords in, in this yeah i don't know who that is <laughs> he's he's gone don't worry about him he's, he's out of here he, he's basically the human embodiment of uh the guy in cloudy with a chance of meatballs oh that's like the <laughs> this guy with like the diapers <laughs> Yeah. Nick's Nick's is like that, but in real life. Oh man. Uh like Nick Offerman's character, you don't you're not really trusting them. Like it, it like you don't know and because you've seen them kill someone. Yeah. But also because like they're being very shady and shifty and they're speaking these ominous tones. So I think that there is kind of like a distancing and a kind of nastiness that he has to the writing of it and stuff like that. Was that kind of what you were talking, like, what do you mean, like, by, like, he's making you feel like, like, maybe the show is constantly aware that it's one step ahead of you, and it shows its cards sometimes, and you're like, eh. Oh, no, more so I was talking about, like, the philosophy of coding, and yeah. understanding coding, mm-hmm. and also understanding determinism, and all these different philosophies, especially totally. in the classroom scenes, where it was like, Nick Offerman's character was basically recruiting Katie to become a part of Devs, which is all very highly intelligent conversation. But I do remember having conversations like that in college. College is a very special time where you feel like you are with like the brightest minds of the universe and you feel so enlightened and you feel like this is so important. And then you get back out after graduating or stopping college and getting out into the real world and you're like, a lot of that doesn't matter. Like understanding things well, just, on that level yeah, isn't doesn't, that important, <laughs> right? Not well. Not not everyone you meet is going to come with that that backstory, that package to be able to engage with you on that level. Like I didn't study philosophy at all, 
I bet Damien, who is not on the podcast with us, he's getting or just got his master's in philosophy and he loves talking about this shit. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like it, it, it is definitely you can take what you've learned and debate with someone who's on the same playing field, but then you might meet somebody else who's like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't care about that. So mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's interesting. Like when they were um, in that sequence where uh, Lyndon figures it out and can like clearly play back that conversation. And then uh, Nick Offerman's character, Forrest, is like, angry because it's not really exactly what he wants i felt like there was like a a little bit of a disconnect with me not totally understanding why he was so upset or Mm -hmm. like why he wasn't more proud of Lyndon in the achievement and then like i was sort of like what is happening i don't understand i exactly don't really understand what's going on right now (laughs) yeah and that's that's like i studied philosophy very briefly and so I, and determinism, free will, like that's kind of like, you know, that's peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like for opening philosophy, yeah. we're kind of like the idea of philosophy is we're going to take two different philosophies and we're going to put them together. And that's how you can figure out which ones work in blah, blah, Determinism and free will are two very kind of easy to comprehend, not necessarily understand, but you can go, things are decided, they're written out and things are just improv and made up as they go. And I think that the show did a really good job with those kind of scenes talking about determinism and talking about free will without specifically saying determinism or free will. There's that whole the worm from the first episode and they're like, this is like the worm and this is it's going to do the exact same thing that we're going to tell it to do here. And I think the interesting thing that they do with determinism is that they 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 embody uh, Nick Offerman's character is hard determinism has to be true and it can't be a multiverse uh complex uh because that puts in free will and that your universe will just course correct it needs to be hard determinism what happened was always going to happen no matter what you did because if it's not that then he feels responsible for killing his family because he was on the phone with his wife right he's like if it's a multiverse thing then I made a different decision somewhere else and they're still alive. That means I'm the one that made the bad decision that killed them. Right. And that's why, and it's completely unfair and kind of heartbreaking that he fires her because he's like, you know, like it needs to be this. You're telling me it's something else and it can't be that. And they end up kind of lying. And that's like what kind of leads to the end and like the kind of big reveal where it's like, it's a little bit of both. It's like soft determinism. And what if there's no machine to determine would we be making the same decisions? And mm. that's kind of the God complex of it all. Like the, like the Oedipus kind of weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. To harken back to what you said about Westworld. I think you're right when you say that it's like pretty basic television show drama, but kind of like polished up in such a way that it's like, Oh, look at us. Look at how smart we are. But like a lot of people can look through that facade and be like, Westworld, yeah. you're just like an HBO drama. You're doing fun stuff, but like, it's nothing crazy. But I think Devs, on the other hand, especially Alex Garland, really revels in the intelligence of his show. And sometimes I just find that I can like very much respect it because I understand it on an intellectual level. But on a person, as a person who like, reviews television and film with such lovely people like yourself, like. (laughs) Do you do you really have to go that hard into it? Because I yeah, feel sure. like totally it's a little like hard. rubbing in the face of like, look yeah. how smart I am. Yeah. 
But I, I'm here for it. But yeah. sometimes I'm just like, whew, bold move, bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're coming in hard. It's interesting that you can get these types of philosophical conversations in like this sci-fi show on FX. Legion is kind of the same thing where you're just like, they can get rid of, they can get away with like some really cool conversations and ideas on a show like Legion. And it's like a superhero FX show, technically, you know, like that's not what it is, but (laughs) it's kind of the same thing. Like the older Star Trek shows like uh, Deep Space Nine, TNG, the original series, even some of Voyager, maybe Enterprise, definitely not Discovery, and definitely not Picard. Um, <laughs> is like you can get away with like these kind of very basic philosophical ideas. Like, right. You know, there's a episode of Star Trek that comes to mind with uh, that is in tandem with this, where um, a guy shows up who's like, "Hey, Data's a really cool robot. We want to take him back to Starfleet and take him apart so we can figure out how he works so we can make more of him." Uh, this data is not going to make it through that, but we'll have more datas. And it's like, you're not allowed to do that unless data wants you to. And it's like, no, he's a robot. He's property. And they're like, right. no, he is sentient. He he has a conscious. And they're like, prove that he has a conscious and they can't. And it's like this whole trial courtroom. And Riker actually has to be the one who's the prosecutor against data, his friend. It's really interesting. Um, <laughs> and it's it's like fun when shows can really introduce these like, these softer, hard philosophical conversations using characters that you already really like. And I think in the case of Devs, it's a show that's built from the ground up with all of the characters and all of the situations to have these conversations. Like everything, every action beat, every story moment is meant to get you to that one scene where you're in like a trailer and there's these two developed coders talking to each other about free will and determinism and what they're going to do and one can't afford to eat and all that stuff. And it's, I know. it's really cool. I'm going to be like, Lyndon, your severance package was how many millions of dollars and you're supposed to be like 18, 19. Just run away! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can build your own dev somewhere else! It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I found that episode of like being on the bridge and like whether or not you were going to fall. I found that super disturbing and because I felt like Allison Pill's character is a weird one. I liked her, but I'm also like, cheer up, Allison Pill. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, I like you better when you're Scott Pilgrim, but it's okay. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, part of it is is her defeatism because if she believes what she believes and she thinks that Forrest is going to be successful she knows that she's not going to be with Forrest in the outcome so you're like why are you doing what you're doing I don't know it's it's a weird dynamic but or like Mm -hmm. wanting to be needed even if you know it's only temporary that's it yeah Mm -hmm. It's just, it was, it was sad. I mean, that's, it was I, sad, sad. I don't want to say that's it. It's like, yeah. yeah, I got that weeks ago. I mean, more like, no. that was my read on it. Like, like when they go my... to, the, when they go to Forrest's house and she's there, I mm-hmm. felt like that was a weird scenario to have like, uh, Forrest talking to Jamie outside and being like, Hey, I like these guys. But then also being like, they're going to die. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> and I, yeah, that's, that's one of the funnest parts of the show is he's being so nice to Jamie. And Jamie is not trusting this guy at all, rightfully. And I love the character of Jamie. Maybe one of my favorite characters on the show. I just think he's just uh, a really just well-rounded character that doesn't have too much of that information to complicate him, but just enough to know where this guy's coming from. 
which makes his his needs and his wants simple, which makes his failure in it even, all the more tragic, I think. Yeah. Um, and I love that, yeah, he's uh, he's being nice to Jamie when he has no reason to be. And, they and play you realize, frisbee. yeah, and you realize it's because he feels bad for him because he knows he's that gonna Kenton's going to kill this guy. Yeah. Ooh. They've seen it time and time again. Like, they, he knows that that's going to happen. Was it Kenton kills him? Yeah, Kenton kills him. And Shoots then, him. And then Russian Antifa undercover homeless agent shows up. <laughs> who I like. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who I like. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's my speed right there. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot of just in the care in the case of like characters like Jamie and even characters like Lyndon and um, uh, Nick Offerman, all the characters. There's just such a there's such a Greek tragedy to all of this that yeah. is Stuart. kind of hidden under. Didn't I look up what he was quoting from in that last episode? Mm-hmm. We were trying to figure that figure out what he was quoting from because yeah. he had said Shakespeare. It's a oh, different. No. It's a different poem. Um, it's uh, is oh, it Keats? Now it's knocked out of my head. Here, I'll look it up. I'll be able to find it. Um, yeah, because I assumed it was Shakespeare as well. Yeah, and uh, who was Stuart quoting in Devs? The internet is great. <laughs> sometimes, I think what the <laughs> what these shows tell us it is sometimes. Larkin. Yes, Philip Larkin. Yeah, it's Larkin, and it's it's a poem that's all about uh, waking up and right, like. Kind of being an asshole. That's exactly what the poem is. It's like, I woke up. I was kind of being an asshole. I went yeah. to bed. <laughs> and that's what Stuart is reciting to him. And yeah. he's like, you don't know that? And I nice love, poem, Stuart. <laughs> I, I love the, the... His voice is great. Though. The idea of that being... Because again, it's it's like a chicken and the egg kind of situation, which is all the philosophical, philosophical conversations in the show, which is Stuart's like, it's not what I'm saying that's important. It's the fact that you've heard me say it so many times and you never bothered to look up who said it. Right. Because in the version that you saw, you didn't know. You made that choice. And it's this very simple, quick thing. And it kind of proves why Stuart's there in the first place because he's also watched what's going on, most likely. Uh, I did see in a review, somebody did talk about um, how the screen next to Stuart when he turns it off so that it falls the screen Mm -hmm. is the exact same in the other version that you see as in he had used the screen to turn it off and make it drop in both versions anyway Ooh! and it had nothing to do with the gunshot and the bullet and everything so there's that which is fun Mm -hmm. because it's like it would have happened anyway oh my god i definitely think this show i don't know if i'll do it anytime soon but it's worth a rewatch because it's so rich with all of that context that you don't pick up on the first time because there's so much to look at in this show. It's kind of like the Alex Garland rule. If every Alex Garland movie I've seen has gotten better the second time I've watched it. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Ooh. the first time I watch them, I usually like them, but I'm like, I feel dumb. Like Annihilation, <laughs> I was just like, I got out of it. Me and you saw it the first time and at the end of it, I was like, I feel you like know, I didn't get it. And then you watch it again, you're like, I got it. I definitely, I didn't necessarily feel like I got it on the second try, but I definitely liked and picked up on certain things more mm-hmm. the second time. Because you because you start speculating, like in that scenario, you're like, well, when did they first start to change? How long have they right. been asleep? How, you know, like all these different factors. And you're not thinking about that the first time. No. You're like, this looks fucking great. Yeah. Like just, you can't think about all like the heavy yeah. stuff that's there. It, I think it's the same with Ex Machina, Sunshine, 28 Days Later. Like these are all really cool movies up front 
And then as you watch them more and more, like I've now watched Sunshine so many times I can't count because it's one of my favorite movies. Every time I watch it, I notice like new fun little tiny things and not even just like physical Easter eggs, but just like, oh, that conversation that Chris Evans had uh, with, with that character is like kind of like this uh, determinism kind of like full out like thing. And but they just say it like talking about Tootsie Rolls and you're like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking up to see um, who did the music for Debs, oh, yeah. and it's Ben Salisbury, who's done a lot mm-hmm. of the music for a lot of Alex Garland's other works. But uh, to take it in that direction very briefly, I think what I liked the most out of Debs, even more than the philosophical conversations and the idea of what technology is in our world, mm. was the music. I do think yeah, music it was great. had very strong musical choices, and if anything, that's probably why i watched the show from week to week Mm. was just to hear his understanding of how music works in that world and the tension it can build um i don't think it's news to anyone that we're fans of the leftovers but there's a very powerful opening to season two and alex garland used a very similar opening to one of the episodes in devs where you kind of see the past happening and this like weird like chanting happening over top of that to say like we may have moved forward with technology but we really haven't moved forward at all with the way humans interact with each other and tracking human behavior is really no different now than what it was then that's true yeah that's very cool yeah yeah there's a certain sadness that hits me when i'm watching a a show and i love the music so much and I know that there isn't a shot in the world that I'm going to be getting a vinyl of this anytime soon. <laughs> you know? And these are the problems I have to deal with. Oh, poor and, you. And it's, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I just found out that Mr. Robot made like very limited vinyl releases. They're very expensive. Not insanely expensive, but more than I'm willing to drop down to get like all four of them. But I must have them because I love the music <laughs> from Mr. Robot. And Devs, I was like, you could just put it on one vinyl. You could just put it on one vinyl. You could charge 30 bucks for it. But That's would, that, would that vinyl have the it. weird statue of his daughter Fun stuff on it. like that. Yeah, there'd be so much fun stuff in the liner. Notes I didn't like that. Why were her hands like that? Good. Why were her hands like that, to make guys? You, to make you not like it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's because, why the whole because like the picture or you know clip of memory he's always watching her is blowing bubbles, but uh, that that statue's last, not her blowing bubbles. There's the last scene is she's grabbing like the it's like the hay or whatever out of the field or like the the cotton kind of and like blowing it out of her oh, hands. Oh really? Like, yeah. Ugh. I don't. Know. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, she kept saying like she's Creepy. like I don't like it, and I'm like I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to, and she's like. I don't like it. And I was like, so I creepy. I don't. I don't think you're supposed to like it. I think it's supposed to look creepy. Yeah, I it's mean, like a creepy miniature golf like thing. Yeah, it it's does. Too glossy. It's weird. I was telling Mike <laughs> that uh, when I worked out in California, there was a park that we would drive out to to work at, and on the way there, we would pass through Watsonville, which is like a, a city where Driscoll. Um, is like a fruit company that does like strawberries and other berries and stuff like that. But they had these huge cutouts, like billboard size of people 
you know, like picking and they were uh-huh. super creepy and it like gave me like weird flashbacks of that where you're like, these are larger than life and they're not flattering. They're just terrifying. And so. you would see them as you were bussed to work? Yeah, yeah. We would like, Very see them similar. on the drive and I was just like, what? Why did they decide to put these up in the fields? They're creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very cool that that is basically like a giant idol to his daughter. And then they burn like an effigy. They like burn like a sacrifice to it in the first episode. Right, right. Which was very cool. If anything, I liked the imagery just for that, but she was creepy. Yeah. I had no idea, too. Uh, I hadn't really watched uh, all too much uh, trailers or anything for this. I... I assumed that the boyfriend was the main character of the show going into this. So Russian? Yeah, I didn't. Oh. I, I was like, I knew that um, the actress from uh, Ex Machina was in it as a main character because she was in the trailer a lot. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that she was going to be the main character. I didn't know that this guy was not going to be in the show at all. Like, I thought that he was the main character. I think that was deliberate. I think so, yeah. And I I, 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 don't, I was wondering if that, like, hit you guys like that, too. Or if you were kind of aware going in I didn't that think Lily's would... character was going to be the, protagon- the main protagonist. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to be killed off so, so quickly because he's in the trailer. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I, I think, think that's I... intentional. Yeah, I think I had watched a trailer, um, but maybe like one of the very first ones. So it was very brief. Mm. But then I think I made the mistake of looking into the programming for the 92nd Street Y down in the city. Mm. And they were doing a devs panel. And Sonoya was like, who plays Lily, was uh, like touted as like the lead. And so I think I kind of like knew about that going into it. And that was the week prior before the first episode aired. So I think I went into it with the expectation of like, oh, this guy isn't going to last. Right. Yeah. But it is kind of cool to have her be the protagonist. I mean, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, she she seemed a little hollow to me as a character, but I think she's supposed to because you're supposed to kind of fill her role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had in conversations with people about devs, one of the things people keep bringing up to me, which I... I plant my my flagpole down in the ground and I say we fight right here. Is they're like I think the they're like I like the character of Lily, but I think that the actress is a bad actor. No, and I'm like no, I think I that you're think misreading yeah. the choices. I, I think, think that's that you, what the character is supposed to be like. Yes, yeah. I think that she's supposed to seem a little hollow. I think is the perfect word, and I've never thought to use that one too. Like she's just a little um, unsure of who what's inside her who she is, what she wants to do, what she deserves, if anything. And I think that that makes, as an actor, your, um, what's that, uh, that makes your, um, what's the word? Like your motivation? Your motivation. It makes, it, it makes your motivation a little bit more harder to articulate. Sure. With mm-hmm. just looks and how you say dialogue and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I mean. I was a little weirded out by her at first too, but then the more I spent, with the character, I was like, well, oh, she's just a weirdo. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Also, like, playing someone who's more reserved emotionally can often be criticized as somebody who's not acting, but I almost... Yeah, like, not engaging. Like, they have to be... Right. But, but sometimes then you have the other extreme where somebody is really overacting, and you're like, yo, tone it down. <laughs> so, I mean... Nick Swansburg, yeah. Yeah. Swanson? Swansburg? Swanson? Offerman? Swardson. 
Right? Swan, 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 Samsonite. <laughs> Samsonite. Ron Swanson? Ron we were way Swanson? off. <laughs> but yeah. That joke what about uh, Nick Offerman's hair in this? What do you give it? Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Could be better. Whew. Could be worse. I guess it could be worse. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I don't is know. Really thinking Burn, about Burn's this. making a really good <laughs> face. Dead air that I wish was you right guys there. could see it. Yeah, because I don't hate it, but no. I also am okay with it just being for this one character and maybe totally. never again. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> don't hate it. Wouldn't recommend it. No, but it's great. also funny to know that. Because when you see him, he's all disheveled. He has lost his wife and his daughter. And you're like, well, this is just what he looks like now. But then you see, like, yes. in the past, yeah, he yes. also looked like that. You're just yeah. like, oh, I, I thought, thought you looked like too. this because of your wife and child yeah, dying. That would make more sense. But then you're also uh. like, oh, no, you're one of those, like, super affluent, <laughs> you know, California person who can afford to be disheveled but owns expensive things. Yeah, I'm going to change my <laughs> score. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give a seven out of ten. Seven out of seven? Okay. Okay. That's and he's fair. lucky to get that. Oh, okay. <laughs> fair. <laughs> <sighs> Well, do you guys have any closing thoughts about either of these programs that we didn't quite touch on? Um, I do like the intro, and I, I touched on it very briefly before, just like, you know, I think it's far more interesting in devs, the determinism, than it is in Westworld, but I do like that Westworld kind of uses it as like, you know, I think it's something that we can all feel connected to, which is like social networking yeah. and all of these different things that track our movements and follow us, you know, algorithms, essentially, um, mm-hmm. that they true. exist and they are 100% real. And if you built a, com- it's very, you could do that. Like, I think both of these things are theoretically possible, which makes them scary. You know, like in the, in the thing, an alien crashes and can look like us. Is that theoretically possible? Not really. It's possible, but it's not like, you know, theoretically possible. Like that's, this is something where we have the technology right here that is at like level one. And if that was to bring up to level 100, yes, we could very easily do this. And that could happen in the span of just a couple years because we went from, you know, pay phones to cell phone iphone smartphones in like 15 years and it's only getting faster so Mm -hmm. i do think that it's a very interesting thing that there's almost no uh there's nothing to be gained from the dutiful processing of the uh technology in devs because they're kind of like well we're all gonna fucking die anyway because it Mm. stops and then because it stops right here like it doesn't matter we can't monetize it and I like that it's created for the sole purpose of trying to control people in Westworld. And we get a version of what that is. And it's something that is eerily similar to our own. It's a lot like Black Mirror. Great episode. Be right back. Don Hall Gleason, Haley Atwell. Oh. Where a guy's social networking. This is what I was trying to think of the other day. Yeah. When I was like, there's something else that reminds me of devs and Westworld 3. And it was, I think it's first or second season Black Mirror. Dom Hall Gleason, Haley Atwell episode where it's a great episode. A guy dies. It's so sad. And he is brought back into a robot version of himself using all of the algorithms from a Twitter, Facebook esque app that he has put all of his information into and all of his personality 
and they make a copy of him off of that. Right, but it's missing things. Obviously. But it's missing things, obviously, because you are not the al- you are not an algorithm. And it's missing imperfections. It's missing, yeah. you know, things I, that weren't filmed. Yeah, and I like <laughs> I like that Westworld takes that a step further and says, "No, you are not an algorithm, but you can be if we make you be one." I see. And I think that that's the most interesting part about Westworld season three. I think that season three has a lot of fun stuff going on in it, and I like seeing these characters. Back at it again. Love seeing Maeve with a sword that's never going to get old. <laughs> but um, everyone else has guns. I don't care. That's what makes it cool. Because she still gets through it all. She's like, ha She's like hitting the bullets away. That's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that I, 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 that's the one thing that I like about Westworld Season 3 the most is that it kind of, as like this kind of sister series which will always be to devs for me having watched them at the same time now i do like that it has something different to offer than devs even if i think devs is maybe a little bit more intelligent in its conversation and its approach i do think that westworld does have the added advantage of pushing it to this kind of consumerism uh like kind of descriptive nature like kind of taking it somewhere and being like so if we had that but then what if this which devs is is uninterested in going to because its conversations are more in the action and what it is and is it real and what does it mean? Not how can it be used and abused for gain. Right. There's like that very brief aside where the government's trying to buy it. And Nick Offerman's character, Forrest, is like, nah. Yeah, we're good. We're good here. Yeah. Yeah, And it it ends up being like, he shows it to her and he's just like, yeah, but it ends in a couple days. So it's like, you're not going to have to buy it. it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, Diana? No, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. I would just say, uh, what do you, what's your, give me one uh, tentative prediction for next season of Westworld. (laughs) What are you guys thinking? Anything, anything you'd like to see happen or any speculations? So Man in Black stabbed. Evan Rachel Wood's (laughs) not gone. She's not really gone. No one's ever really gone. No one's no. ever really got you think, you think they signed Evan Rachel Wood to a limited three season deal? Come on. <laughs> she's bigger than she's bigger than um uh what's his name? Bernard. Jeffrey Wright. And Jeffrey Wright, that they got if they've got Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris locked down on four seasons, you know they got Evan Rachel Wood locked down on but four seasons. But do they have Ed Harris? I guess yeah. they have robot Ed Harris. I, I usually yeah. typically it's four seasons is like the <laughs> standard signing for a deal. Right. Jeffrey Wright and especially Ed Harris are like major players at the time that the show started. Sure. Uh, and Evan Rachel Wood weren't no nobody, but she definitely, I, I think you'd be hard to argue that she was as famous name-wise as Ed Harris. Mm. But if they got Ed Harris for four seasons, and he's doing a fourth season, and he's been vocal that he doesn't like doing the show anymore, but he has to. Really? You know? Yeah, because oh. it's the okay. same thing. He was like, Man in Black's a bad guy. I don't need this guy... <laughs> He's like, this is bullshit. I don't like making these scenes. Aww. He's like, I signed on to be a bad guy. <laughs> Interesting. Bird, what, about, what about you? What do you think? Any any uh, speculations? Like, how much time do you think has passed when Bernard wakes up? Anybody? Oh, jeez. I don't know. I think it was easy to... Years. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes. Rolling the dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was easy to make, like, lighthearted predictions into season two. Yeah. Totally. But I think even going from season two to season three was just such a reset for the show. Totally. That I really have no idea what to yeah. expect with season four. Total and chaos, riots in the streets, continuing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, how long can that sustain? 
and be interesting. (laughs) Right. I love that Westworld season three, that riot episode happened. And one Mm -hmm. of like the big negative reviews that everybody had was like, Riots and protests don't start up that quickly from something like this. Really? That and was then the like criticism? Two, and then like two weeks later, it was just like, by the way, yeah, they do. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Well, because it's uh, all of a sudden everything's flipped on and now it's like people are just like running in the streets and throwing things through windows mm. and you're like, oh my God, the world's falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't handle it the best way um, cinematographically. Uh, right. But they... I think that most people were just kind of like, I've never seen anything like that on a global scale before. So that mm-hmm. seems unrealistic. And then like three weeks later, it sure. was like, on a global scale, this has now happened. Yeah. Because we live in garbage times. But you know, the best part about garbage times is that the trash gets taken out every now and then. Okay. So How long I were you working made, on that? I just made it up and that's why it sounded like it did. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was okay. <laughs> so I, I would give it a Nick Offerman's haircut from Devs. Okay. Yes, yes. Seven out of ten. Uh-huh. <laughs> Barely. Barely. But it's lucky it even got that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I yeah. think I'm good. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think I am as well. I think we've sussed out a lot of things about these two shows. No predictions here on my end. By All any right. means. And happy to say goodbye to devs is just one season. I yeah. agree. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm going to rewatch devs probably like a year. Yeah, you know, I'll, I can I'll see that. I'll come back to it. And a nice eight episodes. That'll be a nice crisp. That's a that's a couple nights uh, like uh, binging. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. Yeah. Get back in. Ooh. Ooh. See how the world has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Thank you guys very much for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, Listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that it was enlightening to you, or we hope that you either agreed or disagreed. If you did have either of those strong opinions, feel free to let us know about them in the comments or contact us on any of our social media. We are on Twitter at story underscore screen. We're on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. And of course, you can find us on Facebook at story screen comma beacon New York. And then we're also obviously at our homepage, www.storyscreenbeacon.com. Feel free to peruse anything on that site. We have some great merch. We have this awesome new $5 a month subscription fee that you can get a bunch of great exclusive content. Um, where you get well too surprisingly yeah Yeah. people seem to be into it that's cool five dollars is a good price point (laughs) makes sense it's smart it's controllable (laughs) but yeah do you guys have anything you want to plug no i think that's good good. yeah lots of good stuff on the digital theater too on uh storyscreenbeacon.com if you want to stream a movie at home yeah, I don't know when this episode is dropping, probably in a week or so from when we're recording, but I know we did just add um, One Angry Black Man and Tommaso uh, to it. Uh, Tommaso is a new uh, uh, Willem Dafoe feature. Mm. Ooh. You know how we feel about him. Ooh. Yes, yes, very very fondly. That's how we feel about him. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys again. And uh, listeners, we'll catch you next time.
Bye. Bye.